What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Then and Now Sports Podcast. James and Nick back here with another episode. What's going on, Nick? What is up? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. I'm hyped. I'm hyped. Wow. You ready? Wow. I'm ready. Okay, well, first, we're going to have to get into some college football talk. It's been kind of a very quiet season, I feel like, so far, as it's been a lot of chalk every weekend. We've obviously had a couple top 10, top 15 matchups. But for the most part, all of these favorites have been winning. And our first problem came with Clemson this weekend. Now they played North Carolina on the road. And they made some mistakes in this game. They start off the first drive with a missed field goal. Travis Etienne fumbles, which leads to North Carolina taking the lead in the second quarter. Now in the second half, they right the ship and they take a touchdown lead. But then they give it up in the last drive. And it only takes North Carolina missing a two-point conversion for Clemson to sneak away with a win. So my question to you, Nick, is is this Clemson team maybe set up for a potential upset somewhat soon? Um, Like, yeah, yeah. I think this Clemson team could lose a game. Whether that takes them out of the playoff picture is something that remains to be seen. But I also don't think we should be underrating... um this North Carolina team because um all their losses have been very very close losses this season like just just three heartbreaking losses and that's that's the only that's the that that's the only time they lost this year like just just last minute like really close tight contested um competition so i think this North Carolina team headed by Mac Brown obviously legendary legendary football coach is definitely going in the right direction, and that's not something we should ignore. But on the Clemson side of things, um, there's definitely more vulnerability in this team than last year. They're, they're losing a lot of key pieces, a lot of team leaders, as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, and that leaves them more susceptible to taking these types of losses. Now, will they lose... Like, I, I still consider them a top-two team in the nation. It's going to be really tough to bring them down, whether they've lost these pieces or not. And I think it's going to come down to them being their own worst enemy and playing bad like they did against North Carolina. Well, something I want to bring up is Trevor Lawrence, because this guy, the hype with around Trevor Lawrence was unbelievable. And... I mean, it's unfair to put this on him because he has been very good the first month of the season. You cannot sit here and say he's not been a good quarterback. He's been a very good quarterback. But there have been guys like Tua, guys like Jalen Hurts, who have far looked better than Trevor Lawrence this season. But I, in the beginning of the season, I thought Clemson was going to lose a game like somewhere in the ACC, like th- this might have been it though, because when you look at the rest of their schedule, their only ranked game left is number 22 Wake Forest, and that would be a home game. So I don't know if Clemson is going to lose. I might have to waver on that a little bit, but I do see a bit of a vulnerability with this team. They just don't have the same dominate dominance that they did last year. It seems like there's gonna, they're going to run some like tougher games after the regular season in terms of the college football playoff, maybe even the ACC championship could be tough for them. But it, 
it's just tough because they have not looked like the team we thought they would look going to. They haven't looked like the number one team, which is what they were ranked coming into the season and for the first four weeks of the season. Now to kind of maneuver into what we're going to talk about now, through the first month, who would be your top five teams? As we, we you know, the AP, they have their the Alabama finally took over the number one spot this week. But would you agree with the AP? Do you think Clemson should be one? What What's your top five looking like right now? Um, I actually, yeah, I think I think the committee did a good job with it with this ranking. Um, and, and the AP did did a great job with this ranking. Um, like Al- Alabama should be one because obviously when you see Clemson looking like that and um, basically like like just having a bad game overall, like credit to North Carolina where it's due and Mac Brown, but um, Clemson did a lot of things in that game that, that gave North Carolina a chance. So that shouldn't be ignored. So yeah, Alabama won, then Clemson too, because Clemson is still as much as we talk about the key pieces they lost. They also have Trevor Lawrence, who despite last game is still one of the best QBs in the nation. As far as college football goes, and they still have a lot of great players and definitely without a doubt one one of the most talented rosters in college football so i definitely think they deserve that second spot also with Dabo Sweeney um coaching them one one of the best coaches in college football too i feel like you got to give them the benefit of the doubt there and put them at 2 so then georgia at 3 that's that's chalk like like I said I my list is pretty much chalk I think they did a great job with this I think Georgia three is fine Oklahoma four and then Ohio State five because what what's being like ranked here is not just how they're doing this year it's like their it's like their reliability as putting them in that spot you look at the players they have you look at the um the experience and you look at what what these teams have accomplished in the past because in college football that's something that needs to be looked at like a lot more compared to other sports obviously when you look at um like the NFL you you see the Patriots and as long as you have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick it, it's going to be a recipe for success and I think that's more of a common theme in college football than uh, a professional league so yeah I think you look at past success you look at um you look at the talent on each team and you look at the potential for each team too and what what they've done and what they are going to do um sometimes it takes a backseat because you're just looking at them from this perspective of okay that's Alabama that's Clemson they deserve to at least be one and two because they've been so dominant in their reigns over the past few years well i have a bit of a difference from you and from the AP. I'll agree with number one, Alabama. I think they have the best offense in the nation and their defense is no slacks themselves. Their offense, though, is fourth in total offense in terms of yards and second in offensive touchdowns. Now, they've had bad competition. They haven't really played anyone there. The two SEC teams they played are South Carolina and Ole Miss. and They haven't looked too good, those teams, but... Alabama has clearly established themselves as far and away better than these teams. Tua has had 23 touchdowns to zero interceptions. He has a 76.4 completion percentage and 1,718 passing yards. And that's just through five games. 
And we had a Devontae Smith go for five touchdowns this past week. It's that all that passing attack is legit. And I think I can't see a defense that's going to stop them. Now, here's where we're going to differ. I got Ohio State at two. Now, I think I was thinking about maybe putting them one, to be honest, because they what? are of extreme. They're a complete team. That's what I see. Alabama, their defense is good, but their defense does give up points that they're not perfect. Ohio State is ranked second in total defense. They've only allowed four touchdowns on defense, and they have the most offensive touchdowns in five games. Justin Fields has been a great replacement for Dwayne Haskins. He's providing a a threat on the ground in addition to his arm. Then we have Chase Young, who's been a dominant edge rusher. He's looking like he's going to be one of the top three picks in next year's draft. He leads the NCAA in sacks. He has eight sacks, and he's second in forced fumbles with three. So this Ohio State team is just very well-rounded, and they are going to play some tough competition in the Big Ten. So we're going to know more about this team through October, and I think by the end of October we'll know because they're going to play Michigan State this Saturday. They have Wisconsin at the end of the month. They're going to start playing some tough teams, and we're going to see what this Ohio State team is really about. Now, this is where I got Clemson at, number three. Uh, I'm not trying to be down on Clemson. Like They did play a good Texas A&M team, and they smothered them with great defense. Their defense this past week with UNC putting up 20 was actually the highest total points they've given up all season. So it's been a great defensive effort for them. They are eighth in terms of yards in the NCAA. They average about 255 yards per game. Oh, excuse me, that's on defense. That's how much they give up. Yeah, they, they put up more than 255 on offense. And like I said, you have a great running attack with Travis Etienne. Trevor Lawrence is still a great quarterback. You have a great balanced receiving core. And if this defense can continue to impress, which I feel like going into the season, that may have been my concern with them. But they got a guy in Isaiah Simmons who is leading the charge. And I think the defense is can more than handle their own. Now, number four is where I'm going to have Georgia at is... It's, I almost wanted to put them higher, too, because out of these the three teams I mentioned, none of them have a win close to what Georgia has. They beat Notre Dame at home, and that's probably been the best win so far this season. And they have an extremely balanced running attack. They have four running backs that average over 5.6 yards per carry. DeAndre Swift leads the way with 388 yards and 7.9 yards per carry. So it's a very balanced team. We know about Jake Fromm. He's very consistent. He's going to make good plays and good throws. He's a very smart quarterback. And I think Georgia is still up there in terms of the best teams in the nation. Now, number five is where I'm also going to differ with you. I don't have Oklahoma in this. I don't have Oklahoma, you could argue. Well, I think Alabama has the best offense in the nation, but you could argue Oklahoma has the best offense. But I'm going to go to the flip side and say number five should be the best defense in college football which is Wisconsin. Now, I think they have the best defense in college football, and they also have the best running back in college football in Jonathan Taylor. So I think that's just an incredibly solid combination that's going to be tough for teams to beat. Ohio State is not going to have an easy game when they have to play Wisconsin. Even though they're going to be home for that, it is going to be a tough game. Wisconsin has only given up 29 points this whole season. It's a pretty incredible defense. And... Jack Cohn has actually played played pretty well at the quarterback position. Quarterback's usually the 
the Achilles heel for this Wisconsin team. They never had a quarterback who can really like control the game and make plays. But Jack Cohen has showed that he can make these plays. And Nick, I'm just saying, we always talk about how, you know, the SEC might get in two teams this year. It happens every year, right? We always talk about it. Yep. I think this year we need to think about two Big Ten teams making the college football playoff. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know. I, I think it's extremely possible if, say, Ohio State wins this, this uh, end of the month they play Wisconsin. Say they win that game, go undefeated the rest of the season, and Wisconsin catches them in the Big Ten championship and wins that one. I don't know. I, I think we can we should have the discussion about two Big Ten teams making the college football playoff. Well, I'm I don't necessarily like fully disagree with you. Um, number six on my list, if there was a like we were doing a top six instead of a top five, I probably would have included Wisconsin as as my sixth team. So yeah, it, it's very possible that um that Wisconsin sneaks in it, if everything goes right for them if they continue to play the way they're playing. Also, we can't forget about um LSU. LSU is still a top contender, and you were very see. You were very. The thing about LSU is that defense hasn't played up to the, the standard that they probably hold themselves to. They have given up way more points than you would think. They don't rank very highly in terms of these teams. Ohio State has a better defense. Wisconsin has a better defense. Clemson has a better defense. You could probably say Georgia has a better defense. So LSU, I was very high on them, but. You know, they still have young players and they're just not fully together as a unit. But, you know, we still have plenty more time. They do have games against uh, Alabama coming up later in the season. They play Auburn, I'm pretty sure, somewhat soon, Florida. So LSU is going to get their chance to get back in this race. But I haven't really looked at them and see, hey, yeah, that's definitely a top five team and top four team. They're going to make the playoff this year. I'm still just a little, even though they have that big win over Texas, which might be the second best win in college football this season going on the road and beating texas that's a great win but their defense got lit up there and surprisingly nick they've relied on joe burrow and exactly. joe burrow has i was just been about, the guy i was just like, about to bring him up i was gonna say listen even if this defense is not like the really 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 strong defense we've we're accustomed to seeing from lsu maybe this new offense can make up for that because joe burrow has been lights out He's been playing great. Obviously, he's going to have to face some real tests before we start singing his praises for real. But if they're as competent as they look on the offensive side, maybe they can make up for those um, defensive. I don't even want to say deficiencies because they're still a solid defensive team, even if they don't play as um, as strongly as they have in previous years. So now we are looking at... uh. Okay, now we're on to the NFL now. So this past week was a pretty crazy week as I, I think the record was 12-2 and two for home for road teams this week. It was a really crazy week in terms of the, the road teams just demolishing on taking care of business on the road. And it started off on Thursday night with the Eagles and the Packers. Now... This was like a bounce back game for the Eagles as they've been dealing with a lot of injuries and a tough home loss against Detroit the week before. But on the flip side, the Packers explode for 491 yards of total offense and they just couldn't convert late in the red zone. And 
I don't know. Do you look at this Packers team as a legit contender in the NFC, or do you think that they have some problems they're not going to be able to bounce back from later in terms of later in the season when we get to the nitty gritty? You know, I've looked at a team like the Lions, and you know they've been very well rounded, and they can maybe catch the Packers slipping later. What do you think? Well, um, <clears throat> I have two main concern with, concerns when they come. To- when it comes to the Packers, and I think they're things that can, that can be addressed like as the season goes on. I don't think this team is like broken. They're actually a very good team. They just have some some kinks in their offensive defense that need to be worked out. Like like how the the Eagles just dominated them with running backs and and on the ground. Like they need to work on their run defense. They they can't. They need to force players. They need to force people to to throw the ball downfield because that's where their strength is in that refurbished secondary that's been praised to no end. And there's also the fact that the offense at times, um, which is headed by Matt, new head coach Matt Lafleur, um, has made some questionable decisions. Sometimes, like it, they get too conservative, and then at other times, like you have them throwing the ball like four times in, in at the goal line and like I I don't know just some some very head scratching decisions sometimes I, I've been seeing this since um week one at the Bears but it, it was more understandable against the Bears um because like you know you're, you're gonna play more conservative and you got you gotta make your choices when it comes to attacking that Bears defense so that that makes sense but when you have an Eagles that has a, a stifled secondary you definitely need to let Aaron Rodgers do do what he can, but also you can't let him do it all because when you let Aaron Rodgers do it all, that's when that's when you get sloppy. That's when things get sloppy because that's exactly what happened with Mike McCarthy. That's exactly why they hired you because that's what they wanted to avoid, you know. Aaron Rodgers just carrying this team until you into a shootout when and then at the end of the game you you can't pull out a win because you've just been inefficient the entire game. So yeah, you need a balanced offense that makes sense and makes reasonable decisions with the football. And I think although Matt LaFleur is doing an okay job now, we they've been doing an okay job for a lo- very long time. They need to do a great job. That's a good point. And I just think this run defense was really bad this past Thursday. The, some of the holes these guys, Howard and Sanders, were running through were just huge holes, and they really had a lot of success running the ball. Jordan Howard ends up with three touchdowns, and I think the Packers' offense shouldn't need to worry. I think Rodgers had his, his game this year where he, he went for 400-plus yards. He was outstanding for most of the game. He just couldn't finish those drives in the red zone. Now, you might say, hey, why didn't they just run the ball down there? You know, Aaron Jones isn't the big back, but he, you know, if you at least pound the ball a little bit, you might be able to get some success there. So hopefully this doesn't come back to a coaching issue with the Packers. I don't think it will, though. I would just be have your eyes open because they play in a very tough division. Now, to be fair, they're 2-0 in that tough division. So they got off to a really good start, but... They just have to keep the consistency up. Don't get complacent with this because now they have to go into Dallas this upcoming week and play a very tough Cowboys team. So you can blink your eye and you could go from 3-0 and to 3-2 and very quickly. 
Um, so now on to the, the oh you want to say something i was just gonna say can we talk about how carson wentz did a good job against this packers defense that was getting a lot of praise up until um he dropped a lot of points on them and like like he he did a great job obviously the run had a lot to do with it but he was making smart decisions and he was proving why he was one of the top qbs in the league he was doing a good job of doing what he can do and when he had his spots, he executed very well. The, his only like bad throw of the night was like that that missed throw. I believe it was to Alshon Jeffrey when they they had an opportunity to seal the game late late in the game. So yeah, I, I think Carson Wentz has been very good all season. To be honest with you, there's obviously there's been times where he's had some missed throws, but I think a lot of it, he's also had to deal with a lot of drops from the receivers. He hasn't had healthy receivers. Deshaun Jackson hasn't been healthy for pretty much the entire year. He has Alshon Jeffrey miss a week. And I think Goddard, like he came back a week early, but he didn't really add to the passing attack. So he's had some problems with keeping his receiving court healthy. Now, I think he's done a tremendous job, though. And I think he's going to have a game this week against the Jets where the Jets secondary is very weak. And he's going to be able to exploit that. I think he's the quarterback that, you know, if you get him, if you try to go man coverage against, you know, the Eagles receivers, Wentz is a mobile quarterback. He could also move around and make the Jets pay in a lot of different ways. So I think the Eagles are going to bounce back. They just need to get healthy. They're, they're a very good team. They're probably one of the best teams in the NFC if fully healthy. But that's just what they got to focus on now. And to move on to the Sunday games, another team that had a lot of hype going into the season, the Cleveland Browns. Now, after week three in that Rams game, I feel like everyone wanted to throw the Ram- the Browns out in the garbage. Like, we were done with them already. Now, they come out and they really beat up on the Ravens. And this is a road game. You had Baker was great. Chubb was great. And the defense created three turnovers. Now, my point I just want to say about this game was I thought it was crazy how they put on such a dominant dominant performance when arguably their two best players, Miles Garrett and Odell Beckham, did not have very good games. Odell had two catches for 20 yards. Miles Garrett, obviously, he probably made an impact in ways that didn't show up on the stat sheet, but in terms of making getting sacks and getting big tackles, he didn't have many of them. So... It's just crazy to see how deep this Browns team is when their two best players can be quiet on a Sunday and they could still win a road game by 20-plus points. So do you think this Browns team is back, or maybe this was just maybe this was just the Ravens had a tough game and this Browns team is still a mirage? What do you think? Well, I, I like the word mirage. I, I like that you used that word. Um, <laughs> um, Thank you. Um. But yeah, I think the I don't want to say the Browns are completely back. I I think this is Browns team that's kind of learning as they go through the season, and that goes the same for the coaching staff. I think Freddie Kitchens, like I said last podcast, is gonna have to learn a lot with each game, and he's going to adjust, and they're gonna get better as the season progresses. But I don't want to say they're completely back yet. But I also don't want to say they're down and out. Like I know I'm fed sitting here, but. This was a good win for them. Now they need to build on top of this and prove that they're able to to be really good teams. They were competitive with the Rams. They beat the Ravens. Like, listen, they they've 
they've put up some performances and as long as Baker can um can get back to where he was in his rookie season or maybe even go beyond that past past what we think his potential is right now then like it it's going to be good for the Browns but there's a lot of things we need to see from them a lot of questions that need to be answered still and although this was a good start I think the important thing is to build on that and continue to improve um, on the Baker side of things. And I also, one more thing, I also didn't like how this game, like it was a really good game, but there was a lot of media spin on it, focusing on Odell, not getting like a lot of yards, which I really hate because you were complaining about the Browns for like the first three weeks. And then when they have a good game without their best player doing so, well, not their best player, you could make an argument for Miles Garrett, but um, with one of their best players not doing so well, like that, that's, that's a good accomplishment. That's a success. And there's all this like fake speculation about drama that's not even happening. And I, I just really don't like it. Let the Browns succeed. And if they continue su- to succeed, just give them their props and don't act like it's doomsday. Well, yeah, I've been high on this Browns team from, I was high on them last year and they didn't turn out the way they should have, but they did have a promising season. And when you have Nick Chubb go for 165 yards and three touchdowns, I think that says a lot about if they can get the running game going. And guess what? Kareem Hunt, he's looming. He's, you know, within the next two months, he's going to be back. So they're going to end up having a pretty deadly running attack. And, you know, if Baker can continue his, he had a great game too this week. And I, I just see nothing but positives for the Browns. This was a division opponent against the team that everyone was, you know, praising. They were, the Ravens already had their crown on, their division crown on, and the Browns might have taken it this week. Now, of course, it's a long season to go, but I believe this Browns team is ready for a division run, and I think they're going to get it in the end. So to move on to another game, we had the Panthers and the Texans, which... You know, maybe isn't the sexiest game now that, you know, Cam Newton's out, but you're pretty high on the Panthers' new quarterback, Kyle Allen. So what did you like about his performance? Like, Kyle Allen is just a solid QB. He makes good reads. He's actually pretty good at throwing the ball, which, like, is the which is the main thing for backup QBs is their ability to throw the ball is sometimes lacking. And... Yeah, just an overall solid player. Like, when I watch him play, I think he's at least starting QB, like, like valuable. I think, like, he could start for an NFL team. That's what I see from him. But um, the only problem with him is he fumbles the ball, like, a lot. And he had three fumbles in this game. I believe he had one fumble last week against the Cardinals, and... The way he just holds the ball in the pocket is just very scary. He holds it very openly. Like Coaches will tell you to hold the ball with two hands in the pocket. So you you don't fumble, but for some reason he just freehands it like he's Aaron Rodgers. But he he really shouldn't do that. Um, But yeah, from just a throwing perspective and how this offense is playing around him, I think he's doing very well for them, and the rest of the offense is doing very well for them. Um. And yeah, I think if they can continue to play this way, they they might be in the conversation for a playoff spot. Now, the defense still has to show up week in and week out, but a performance like this against Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins is a really good sign for them. And I think 
like I said, if they continue to play at this level, it's it's going to mean good things for them down the road. So the defense did play very well today. Uh, not today, obviously, but this past Sunday. Uh, and McCaffrey went for 179 yards in total, so of course he's going to be a beast for them. But I want to flip this on the Texans now, because you, like you brought up, Kyle Allen, he had three fumbles in this game. And the Texans only ended up getting seven points off those turnovers. Now, I feel like they just didn't capitalize on their opportunities when they had them this week. In addition to not being very good on third down, they went four for 11 the whole game on third down. And then you get a Deshaun Watson fumble late in the game. And something about this Texans team, it just doesn't seem crisp to me. I, I think their offensive line has improved. I don't think it's as horrible as people say. I don't think it's one of the better units in the league, but I don't think I think Deshaun Watson can do enough with it. But DeAndre Hopkins hasn't been great either over the past month. He hasn't been at his, you know, what you expect from him. So this Texans team is now looking at an AFC South where everybody is two and two. So they're gonna need to bring out more of themselves, more of that offense, that high powered offense that we saw over the past couple seasons with Deshaun. And if not, there are teams ready to take that. And there's a guy down in Jacksonville named Gardner Minshew who, well, you know, I don't think he's he's playing anymore. I think the, he's ready the, to go and grab the entire AC, AFC South is not playing. Like, let's let's get that clear. We can get into, we're gonna get the Titans a little bit later too because they had a nice performance. But to go into another game, this is probably the best game on the the afternoon slate i want to say maybe not maybe the one o'clock slate it was it was definitely the best but chiefs and lions was very interesting throughout the whole game you had two unbeaten teams come into play patrick mahomes ever i was loving the patrick mahomes has never played in an nfl game inside a dome and like people were going crazy about that and he actually doesn't have that good of a game not that he didn't have a good game but he didn't have the flashy stats that you expect from a patrick mahomes game but like down the stretch, he was actually fantastic. He he had a late fourth down conversion, leads the Chiefs on a game winning drive. But on the flip side, the Lions weren't no slouches themselves. You can argue that they were a goal line fumble away from winning this game. Matt Stafford was great. He also went on a game leading drive before this Mahomes drive, and he ends up with two hundred ninety one yards and three touchdowns. Now. We know what the Chiefs are. We know what Patrick Mahomes is and what that offense can do. What I want to ask you is about this Lions team. Do you think it's possible that they can compete among the NFC elite teams? Um, yeah, I think that is the takeaway of this game. Like Everybody knows the Chiefs are the Chiefs. And the Lions' performance against this team is what really speaks volumes. And Matt Stafford's been playing really well. Um, this defense too. I think it's it's getting a little underrated. Um, Rashawn Melvin, a for, a former Raider, is playing very well in the secondary uh, of of the Lions. And yeah, just overall, they 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 have a solid team. And I think we let's not even talk about playoffs. Let's talk about the entire NFC North. They're definitely in competition with the Packers, the the Bears, and the Vikings. They they're in tandem with them right now, and they could definitely take that division spot. I mean, the way they're performing against solid teams, I mean, like, the the outlier is their tie against the Cardinals, but 
you they they went up against the Eagles that just proved their worth against the Packers. Like they they're playing good teams and they're coming out on top or coming close to out on top. So yeah, don't don't sleep on the Lions team. They're they this Lions team because they they're very they're very well coached and they have a really good all around team with a lot of underrated players. So I think this Lions team is like the kryptonite for the Packers. So you look at the Vikings and the Bears. Their passing attack, well obviously the Vikings should have a good passing attack. It hasn't played up to that standard. But the Bears don't. We, we know about Mitch's struggles over the, the, this year and last year. So I think the Packers, with their like, great secondary, Jair Alexander has probably been the best corner in the league this year. I don't know if I'm often saying that, but I feel, in my opinion he has been. So this Lions team, I feel like, is the team in the NFC North that can, you know, give that secondary some problems. They have some big receivers. Kenny Galladay is going to definitely be a problem for them. And Matt Stafford, you know, we know what we're getting with him. He's a tough player. He's going to, these Lions teams over the past couple years, I think last year was kind of an outlier for them. And they didn't really, they didn't show a lot of competitiveness, but you go back to 2016, 2017, this Lions team always fought to the end, and they were always in every single game, and maybe they didn't always pull it out, but they were always inside, in the comp- in legitimate like competition, and I think they are able to compete in the NFC Elite. I think the defense does have to... Now I'm thinking about it, I don't know, that defense is very good, because the front seven, I think, was not an issue coming into the season. I think it was, can this secondary match what the front seven is going to bring? And I think they have. Now, like I said before, they are one goal line fumble away from being 3-0-1 now, coming off back-to-back wins against the Eagles and the Chiefs. So I think this Lions team is a very good team. And it's, it's, I think it's them versus the Packers for the NFC North. And I don't want to throw away the Bears just yet because their defense is unbelievable. But I think you lose Mitch Trubisky and... Even for if it's a couple weeks, it's going to be tough to tell yourself, yeah, I got to go the whole season with Chase Daniel and Mitch Trubisky, and they're going to have to compete with these guys. I think it's asking a lot from them. So now let's get into another game, your beloved Raiders. Now, (laughs) before we get into the game, your man's Vontez Burfitt got suspended for the rest of the season. Um, of a helmet to helmet hit. Yeah, that's BS. So fa- fair or wow, you're going straight BS. That's what you think. Listen, if it was any other player that delivered that hit, they would not have gotten suspended for the entire year. Like maybe eight games. I get the reputation, but an entire year like that hit. Like Scott Van Pelt had my back on this. I heard this like at midnight last night, like before I fell asleep. He was like, this hit was not that bad. Maybe it's just me. And then I was like, you know what, Scott? I feel the exact same way. And <laughs> I think, I, I don't know. I just don't think the hit was like super bad. I think it's more about the person who delivered it, which is still fair. But I think if it's going to be a hit that you're suspending someone an entire year for, it should be a pretty like egregious offense. I didn't think it was like super super bad but maybe that's just me and scott van pelt 
No, I, I agree with you. But like you said, I think you like, oh, well, if it was anybody else. But that's the key word. If it was anybody else, it would be fine. But this guy has a history of dirty hits being characterized as a dirty player. And I don't think it's a bad characterization for what he's shown on the field. This guy has some, if you go back on, look some film of his, it's, it's rough to look at. He does seem like a guy who plays, he plays a, like physical isn't even the word. He goes above and beyond physical at times. And I understand where you're coming from because the hit really, it's, it's not the worst hit. It's probably not the worst hit he's even It was had not, it was not career. top three worst hits of this week of football. I will say that right now. Not even top three worst wow. hits. I mean, but it was a bad hit, and there, it seemed like there was intent there. You saw him, like, on the sidelines looking like he was very happy about it, like, have a big smile on his face going to the tent and everything. So it didn't seem like he was very remorseful about it. And I don't know if it the whole season is the right suspension, but a lengthy suspension just to say, hey, like, we really can't have this in the league anymore, I think that's fair. So, to get into the game now, because there was a game being played, the Raiders jumped out to a 14-0 lead early, and Jacoby Brissett ends up having a pretty solid game. He he leads a nice little comeback towards the end until he throws an interception, but he has a three-touchdown performance, and the Raiders barely hang on. Now, both of these teams are 2-2. Nick, can we take either of these teams seriously in terms of a playoff spot down the road? I think you can take the Colts more seriously than the um than the Raiders, um because can you take them seriously? You can take them more seriously than the Raiders though. But in terms of like the six best teams in the AFC, can we take them seriously in that sense? I mean, the way the AFC South is shaping shaping out, like I definitely think they'll they'll be in it because I I could see them beating any one of those teams in there. To be honest, if the Texans don't, you know, shape up themselves, they don't. They don't like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins doesn't show like what, what he's usually capable of if that, that line can't protect Deshaun Watson and the and they just keep getting into defensive struggles, then yeah, I think they can be any team in the AFC South and they're gonna be a dangerous team against most teams in the NFL. We gotta remember in this game, they didn't have T. Y. Hilton, they didn't have Darius Leonard, they didn't have um, Malik Hooker. They were very shorthanded in this game, and they only lost by seven points. So, yeah, I'm definitely more, as far as playoffs go, I'm definitely more, I have my eyes more on the Colts than the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders are an interesting team. Like, Tyrell Williams has had a touchdown in all four of these games so far. Josh Jacobs is showing he's a capable running back. I don't know. I, I definitely see some promise with this Raiders team, but you know, I probably wouldn't say they're a playoff team, and neither would I say the Colts are a playoff team. I think we saw a bit of their ugly side this week, and you know, they came off a week where they played a Falcons team, which we'll get into next, but that Falcons team kind of shot themselves in the foot all day, and that kind of led to the Colts winning. You know, I feel like you can't rely on that consistently on a week-to-week basis. So I'm going to say I don't really take the Colts seriously as a playoff team, but I can see them hanging around there. They're going to, this week, they're going to have to run into Sunday Night Football against the Chiefs, and I could see that getting very ugly pretty quickly, especially if they don't have T.Y. Hilton. So 
to move on to the team we just talked about, uh, this Atlanta Falcons team, man. Like it's, I feel like it's always the same story with them, and now it's just getting like it, it's it's spiraling out of control here. So five sacks allowed for this game, one fumble loss, seven penalties for fifty yards, and one for four on fourth down. Are we just done with this Falcons team, or is there any kind of chance that they'll turn turn the ship around? Um, like. I am not that high on the Falcons. I, I haven't been since like, like since the se- season began. I I acknowledge that they could be a playoff team if they stick around, but the way it's looking, it's not looking good. Um, the Titans are have a great defensive unit, so holding Matty Ice to two, to no touchdowns is a pretty good accomplishment. I I also think we should focus on the Titans because the Titans are a very very interesting team. Like I was just gonna get into that. I wanted to read some of these stats real quick because they they really like gave the Atlanta offense fits. So Harold Landry has two sacks. Jayon Brown had three quarterback hits. Jarrell Casey forced fumble. Rashawn Evans ten tackles, two QB hits. This Titans defense was outstanding. And obviously, we're going to look at the Falcons like, what's wrong with you? And the only reason I think we look at it that way is because they have so much talent. Even on the defensive side of the ball, the Falcons do have good players there. And it's just, they get down early in these games, and they just never can bounce back from them. It's If they can just be more stable in the early goings of the game, they'll probably be able to win some more of these. But they and they have a win against the Eagles, so it's it's not like it, the talent's not there. I think this has really become more of a coaching issue, and you know these penalties keep popping up, and I don't know. It just does. It's not even the penalties are that bad. I mean, they are bad, but it's the timeliness of these penalties. You'll get them. You'll get a nice play on first down, and then it'll come back, and now you're looking at first and twenty, and it's these holding penalties with this offensive line. So. I don't know. I, I think I'm just about ready to give up on the Falcons. I'm going to give them one more week because, hey, if they can get a road win against the Texans this week, that'll be definitely a confidence booster. But, man, it has not looked good over the first month of the season. Um. Yeah, I think that's the best way to sum up the Falcons. They, they've just been very disappointing. I really don't have that many words because they're a talented team. They have obviously have Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Mohamed's new, Devonta Freeman, all great players, just not able to put it together and actually, you know, progress drives and, and finish drives and get a good amount of points on the board. So it's very weird, very weird team, just like the Titans, but Titans are actually, I feel like the Titans can beat anyone on any night and I wouldn't be surprised. So weird in two totally different ways. Yeah, that, that defense is, is for real with the Titans. And Mariota was not bad. So, you know, a lot of people love to crap all over Mariota, but he hasn't been bad this season at all. He hasn't been the maybe worth the number two overall pick like everyone thought. But, I mean, he's a good enough quarterback where I think this Titans team, in a wide-open AFC South, why can't they take that division? Especially if their defense is going to play like this on the road. I would definitely keep an eye out for the Titans as well. Now, to get into our final 1 o'clock game, we had the Patriots and the Bills. The final 1 o'clock game we're going to go into, at least. Uh, Patriots-Bills. Very 
it's a defensive slugfest with these teams as the Patriots defense is just outstanding. They are number one in defensive DVOA. They are number one in yards per game. They have allowed 27 points in four games. Now, the Bears are in second place in this category, points allowed. You know how many points they've allowed? 45 points in four games. So Mm -hmm. the Patriots have a pretty sizable lead over the Bears' defense. But the Bills' defense kept up with the Pats' defense. They only held the Pats to 224 yards of offense. You had Sony running the ball a little bit better, but Brady was constantly getting run out of the pocket, and they really couldn't sustain a drive. Now, the Bills lose Josh Allen, and they get Matt Barkley in the game, and while he wasn't horrible, they just couldn't keep up the momentum as it seemed like they were going to turn around. They got the first uh, offensive touchdown on the Patriots this year, which is pretty interesting. But um, what, what were your takeaways from this game? Did you come away thinking of the Bills as, hey, maybe this is a playoff team? Did you come away... Did you have the, you know, the usual yearly always Brady Dunn take? Did you have that maybe? Um well, I well, you you still have criticized me before for saying that Tom Brady isn't the same QB that he used to be. And like I think like I I don't want to say this game like reaffirmed it to me or or anything because like I was pretty sure I was right anyway. But like I think it's clear to see in this game he's not like the same QB he was 10 years ago. Uh, I'm pretty... I mean, obviously, he's not the same 2007. Well, you said he was. You said he was. Like, you tried to... You dead tried to argue that with me. I don't remember arguing that particularly, but I... What I meant probably is that he is the... I think he's still the best quarterback in the game. Like, I think he does play at a high level. He plays at a high level. Maybe it's not 2007 Tom Brady high level. I don't think it is. But... He plays at a ridiculously high level, and of course this was a bad game, but I feel like the Bills just had the perfect defensive game plan for him. They ran him out of the pocket consistently, and if you can do that to Brady, yeah, maybe he's not the same quarterback, but that's easier said than done because he gets the ball out so quickly, and you know he just wasn't getting it out quickly enough this game, but I, I'll stick to it. I think Tom Brady is still the best quarterback in the NFL, and I think he... This past month, he's played at a ridiculous level, and this was his first bad game. So, I don't know. I think I think I'll continue to, but think that Brady is one of the best. But yeah, I think I think the Bills are a legitimate playoff like contender. If Josh Allen like is good this week. This is going to be an interesting game this week if Josh Allen is healthy. Um, Titans and um Bills, two great defenses. You know, with QB question marks will say and yeah it's going to be interesting to see like who who comes out on top and i think if the bills continue to play this way they might make it into a playoff side like they were close to beating the pats nobody can take that away from them they could have beaten the pats and they have a pretty good excuse because when qb your starting qb gets um taken out that that throws that obviously throws everything out of whack so they have a pretty excuse of not beating them they kept up with them and like I, I'm, I'm waiting to see more from this team. I I think they have potential, but I want to see more. Yeah, I was very impressed with the Bills. I think they are a team that's for real. I think, I mean, I don't want to get into the even. It's not a quick take because we've had a month of games played, but I I 
think that it could be looked at as a reactionary take. I think the Bills can make the playoffs, and they have shown that their defense is for real. And I feel I love their coaching staff. Sean McDermott has like very under the radar done a fantastic job with this Bills team. Got to the playoffs in his first year. Last year they were looked at as supposed to be the worst team in the league. They were supposed to go one in fifteen last year. They end up making a pretty solid season out of it. So I really love what he does. He did with this Bills team, and I I wouldn't sleep on this team going forward. Now, let's get into the 4 o'clock games. We only have a couple we're going to go through here. And I think the most important one was the best one, Bucks versus Rams. Which was really, just, the Bucks went up early and the Rams really raced to get back into it. It was a 21-0 Bucks lead. And the Rams fought back and they got into it. But um, at first, before we go into what happened and how it ended, Shaq Barrett... For on the Bucks has had nine sacks in four games. Just an unbelievable start to the season for him. You know, you can probably put him next to Khalil Mack in terms of who's been the best player so far, defensive player so far, and it's probably you can probably say it's been Barrett and Khalil, which is unreal to say. Now, even Jameis Winston on the offensive side, he was outstanding for the most part. He ends up throwing a late pick six that gave the Rams momentum, but 385 yards and four touchdowns. Great game by Jameis. The receivers were outstanding. Godwin and Evans have shown that they're going to be a tough force for uh, these quarterbacks to handle. Now, do you think the Bucks are for real? Um, no, I don't think the Bucks are for real. I wow, think. shot them down quick. Yeah, Didn't even um, wait. Since the beginning of the season, um, I've had questions about the Bucks and. Although they have proved me wrong in many respects, I still do not think they are a playoff team. I think if you play games like this consistently, and like it's not going to do well from you, especially against like other good teams. They they might get away with it for a few games, but as teams like adjust to them, I think James is still like he showed early years. Although he's improved greatly. I think he showed that he's very susceptible to making mistakes and some of those habits are still are still stuck with him on some of the throws we've seen. I think if he continues to prove in this way, maybe I'm being pessimistic. If he continues to improve in this way, they they could actually have something special there. But I don't know. I'm the Bucks have always been a very weird team to me. I've never had trust in them over the past few years and I just expect it to be a letdown. In the end, I saw someone on Reddit say the Tampa Bay Bucks are what like a Florida man is as a football team. Just Very like, accurate, all over the place. Pretty accurate, extremely accurate. I think this Bucks team is gonna buck that trend, and I think now that they have a defense that can get pressure on the quarterback and Jameis looks to be stabilized, I feel like a lot of credit has to go to this coaching staff. Bruce Arians has done a great job with Jameis over this first month, and Todd Bowles on that defense has really turned them into an aggressive unit, and they have they were the worst defense in the league last year, in my opinion, and they just got smoked every single game, gave up 40-plus points all the time, and they don't, even though they gave up 40 points in this game, I feel like maybe the talent level isn't still there. I feel like at least the coaching is there. And when you have a guy like Shaq Barrett with nine sacks, he even had an interception in this game. I think the Bucks are going to be 
a serious contender, especially in the NFC South, which is kind of open right now. They're going to have to play the Saints this week. And I I, look, I think the Saints are the one of the best teams in the league right now. But they're going to have to play probably another month with Teddy Bridgewater. And hmm? Teddy hasn't been bad by any means. Well, you know what? We can maybe get into this now. Teddy Bridgewater hasn't been bad over the past month, over the past couple of weeks. But he hasn't shown any signs that he's going to be a quarterback that, you know, brings the Saints team to the promised land. I don't hmm? think he's shown any of that so far. I think he's just been a solid quarterback who won't win you the game, but won't lose you the game. But he almost lost them the game this past week. So maybe that's not even in the same place. Oh, so, my God. Oh, my God. I think the Bucks, the Bucks have potential. There's a lot of potential for the Bucks to go on a crazy run and take this NFC South. Now, there's still question marks. Are we sure this is going to be the Jameis we get for the whole season? We don't know that yet. If if that if this is going to be the Jameis, it's not going to be a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing. I think the Bucks are the team. But until we can get more consistency out of Jameis, I'm just going to hold back on that. That claim. So can can we get into Cowboy Saints because I I want I want to talk about this. I want to hash this out. So all right, let's go for it then. Okay, so Cowboy Saints. A big Sunday night football game. Dak Prescott versus well, versus the um the Saints and Teddy Bridgewater. You know, there's a lot of hype. This game, I just want to say this game was like a splitting image of last year's game. Very low. Exactly, scoring. exactly. Both both teams play great and, defense. And, on and both you want to trash on Teddy for putting up a similar performance to Drew I'm Brees? I'm not trashing on him. I was actually gonna say he was okay in this game. In the second quarter, three of his four second quarter drives they resulted in field goals. Which is good. I'm not trying to take away from that. That was good. But I don't look at Teddy Bridgewater as a guy that if the Bucks start putting up, the Bucks go into New Orleans this week and start lighting it up like they did in LA, the Saints have no chance, I don't think. I don't think Teddy's going to be able to keep up with Jameis with a 40-point outburst. I don't think he can. Um. Okay. Like, I'm going to put it this way because I want to get straight to Teddy because this is... If you have not, if you don't know, there has been a lot of contention between us about Teddy Bridgewater. I think he is potentially a top 15 QB. And he thinks, oh, he thinks that's insane. 15 is crazy. No, I'm not even trying to hate on Teddy, but 15 is crazy to think that Teddy Bridgewater is one of the, in the top half of quarterbacks. In I, okay, I'll, 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 put, I'll bring it down to potentially. I'll bring it down to potentially top 15. because. I don't think there's a QB that knows his role better in the league than Teddy Bridgewater. Legitimately, one of the best game managers in the league. Hands hands down. Top tier. Top tier game manager. Um, the See, most people would th- look at that as an insult, but I don't even look at that, that no, as No, it's insult. not an insult. I think, it's listen, really not. If you know your role, it, it isn't. If you know your role and you can be a stable quarterback. But here's the thing, though. His game manager... Uh, reputation might have even taken no, a hit. This I know. Past okay, I know what play you're gonna. I know what play you're gonna bring up, and that's like his one big mistake in like in these past two games, and he's gonna learn from that. I know he's gonna learn from that because that's how Teddy Bridgewater works. He doesn't. He doesn't just make a mistake and and do nothing from it. Like if you look at his 2014 to 2015 seasons, like it's a leagues of difference, and he hasn't played football, serious football, in like over. 
in over like four years, basically, like start in a starting role going up against elite teams. He has not been in this role for over four years. There's going to be a little bit of rust. But in 2015, this is the stat that I think best summarizes Teddy Bridgewater. I've already said it to you before. You know the stat. But like in 2015 with the Vikings, this was the Vikings team when AP was was going off when they were they were at one of their peaks. I believe they went 10 and six this year. It might have been nine and seven. I don't remember the exact record. But when Teddy Bridgewater threw under 200 yards, they went nine and one. That's just the type of player Teddy Bridgewater is. He is such a good decision maker that with him, less is more. When he's doing less, and this is what people don't get with Tom Brady either. When Tom Brady puts up poor stats, they think, oh, that's a bad game from Tom Brady. No, Tom Brady's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. He knows his exact role, and that's what makes him one of the greatest like players of all time, easily. I'm not comparing Teddy Bridgewater to Tom Brady like like directly. But in terms of their games and knowing their roles and being able to um, to dictate the offense in their way, which is a very unique, it, it's a similar process. And I also think Dak is somewhat like this too, which is why I think Dak is also a solid QB and he gets a lot of flack for no reason. But Teddy Bridgewater is legit one of the best game managers I've ever seen. Wow. Better than Alex Smith. Now Alex, Alex, Alex Smith, Smith might be plays. the best. He might be the strictly like Tom Brady. Tom Brady like had a lot of talent like going for him too. Like Tom Brady for all the flack he gets for like short throws and throwing for running backs, he has a lot of fucking talent. Holy shit! A lot. Get Tom Brady out of this this game. No, he had right at now. one point in his career he was a t- he was a game manager. Are we gonna dispute this? The first year, the first year of his career, he was early game in his career. I guess. Early in his career. No, it was just that first oh, year. It was okay. ju- after that first year he grew up. Th- those second two Super Bowls, he was one of the best players on that team. You don't. Put him in the game manager. Thing like there. I okay. Well, I don't think like in a sense. I think Tom Brady is also a game manager. He's just a very very. Oh my god! No, this is ridiculous. No, because okay, you're playing into like the stereotype of a game manager. When I say game manager, you think like no, Eric because Smith. there's a difference in get with game managers. I feel like if you can make plays downfield with your arm and you can find to make good throws down the field, that doesn't make you no, a game manager. It to, makes you a playmaker. To me. To me what a game manager is is making good decisions like tom okay if you want to say like if i'm gonna put this in a different way he is like the best of both worlds he is a really good decision maker when it comes to choosing what throws to make and he could have also made those throws like very few players can do that and he's elite at both so if you want to like i just hate the stigma with game managers because it's like okay if you if you to me, a game manager is like making good decisions. And like, even if you're not throwing the flashy throw, if you're not throwing like the super high level throws that elite NFL QBs make, you're still making a really good play and you're creating great progress for your team. That's what a game manager to me is. I don't know what it is to everybody else, but that's how I've always perceived a game manager. Well, the thing with Teddy is I just, I think we're going to need to see more out of him. I don't think he can decide to just be a game manager and not make these big plays downfield nope. because guess what Matt Ryan I know the Falcons have struggled and we we said we might we don't think they might be able to bounce back but they still have a, an offense that can absolutely go th- run through you the the Bucks they have an offense that could run through you the Panthers with Christian McCaffrey they are going to make big plays down the field 
And I don't think every game is going to be like a 12 to 10 game for the Saints. So they're going to need more from Teddy Bridgewater. Because guess what? That Saints game, that the Seahawks game, that was a bit of an outlier because they had two touchdowns off special teams and defense. So we're just going to need to see more out of Teddy. And if we don't, I don't think the Saints team is I have them right now regarded as probably the third best team in the league. I don't think I could see them staying, sitting there for long if Teddy Bridgewater is going to keep playing like this. Um, I think, I think that I agree with you as one of the best teams of the league. I agree. We need to see more. I think that's fair, but I think Teddy Bridgewater is a good QB. That's, that's my, that's my main point. I think he doesn't get enough credit. That's fine. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I just don't think he's a necessarily a, a, a above average. I wouldn't say he's above average. I would say maybe he's around average. Like, I'm, As a quarterback I'm saying if Dak is above average, he's above average because they remind me both of well, one I, another. I think Dak is 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 far ahead of better than Teddy. Maybe in this game. No, I feel like even in this game, he outplayed him. No, I think... Because guess what? If we want to talk about the game a little bit, let's just get into that. I, they had two fumbles and back-to-back drives from Jason Witten and Zeke, and that kind of killed their momentum. But Dak was pushing the ball down the field for most of the game. That touchdown drive, he throws a beautiful touchdown. Well, no, he didn't throw the touchdown pass, but he threw it to get them inside the red in, inside the red zone. That pass was beautiful downfield, and you know Dak played very well this game. Okay, and, but you know, but what I'm saying, okay, I think Dak is very underrated too. Even though I give him like a lot of crap sometimes just to like mess with you, but like Teddy, Teddy is just as good in my opinion. And once he gets that rust. That, that ice off his shoulders. He's only played two serious games of competitive football in four years. If we're being, like, serious. And to hop in that role, especially after going what he's been through, like, it, it's an incredible story, too. Like, let, let's not even get into that. Like, what he's been through on the field and what it must be like to step out back there after going through everything he's been through. It's honestly incredible, and I think like once he gets that ice off his shoulder, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy what this guy can be with the correct pieces around him. I'm not I'm not saying he's gonna be like this super flashy quarterback, but I think the amount of success that he can bring a team is gonna be interesting. I think it's gonna be interesting, and I think it's gonna be very reminiscent of like an Alex Smith type quarterback. Like that's that's where I put him at. To wrap up this conversation, he's going to have to show it this week because the Bucks are coming in with a very high-powered offense. And I think they're going to put up some points on the Saints team inside the Dome. Last year, the score was 48-40. So if the Bucks even put up 30 points, can the Saints get to 30 points with Teddy Bridgewater? This is where he's going to have to show what kind of quarterback he is. Now, to move on to a quarterback who has struggled a lot, Kirk Cousins. Once again, falls flat in a big game. Now, let me just read you the Vikings drives from this past Sunday. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. So we'll go punt, punt, start off with a one punt, fumble, fumble, three and out, three and out, punt, punt, touchdown, missed two-point conversion on the touchdown, turnover on downs, end of game. I just read to you the entire Vikings offense from this past Sunday. Now, reading that, I, I can't really put that all on Kirk. I'm going to put a lot of it on Kirk. He's going to have to shoulder a lot of this blame. But I mean, 
you know, the offensive line does need to do a bit of a better job. The receivers, I guess I can't necessarily fault them because Kirk's not putting them in the right situation to succeed. But this offense was just flat the entire game. And a lot of it does have to do with Kirk. So my question to you is, can Kirk salvage his season and turn the Vikings into, remember, not too far long ago, they were in the NFC Championship off a 13-3 season. Can he salvage this season and bring them back to that? Um, I think it goes mostly on Kirk. Let's, let's just get to the blame first, because, like, I think it goes a lot on Kirk, because these past, like, two years, there's been, um, there's been a lot of finger pointing, like, okay, I can't be Kirk because he's doing well in these other games, but when, like, things are starting to get consistent and, like, your, your team is constantly improving and you have a good, solid cast around you, like, like, Dylan and Diggs and, and Dalvin Cook, like, it's it's very hard to like say okay it's not your fault it's hard to continuously keep telling yourself that when it's becoming more and more apparent that the one constant in this team struggles because they have case the case Keenum season to 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 look back on and and compare it becomes apparent that okay this has to be a Kirk problem it's not just it's not about just being like okay um yeah, like, Kirk's the quarterback, obviously, he's got to take the blame. No, there's, like, evidence to support that Kirk is probably the issue because he does not play as well against good teams as bad teams. When they play bad teams, they look like a completely different team. And when they don't play in primetime game, games, they look like a completely different team. So, yeah, you have to... It comes to a point where you're like, okay, like, we're giving you a lot of opportunities to show what you're made of. And when you continuously fail, eventually people got to look, look at you and be like, what's up? Like, wh- what's good with you? And I think it's Kirk's time now. And he's going to get a lot of heat. And this is going to be one, his last chance. His last chance as far as improving his reputation in, um, in showing people that he is a quality starting QB in this league. When I look at Kirk, it just blows my mind how this is the one guy in NFL history who has the only fully guaranteed contract. And he has not played up to that contract. Now, when you look at it, the Vikings actually negotiated pretty well as it's only three years. So we're in the second year of this and he's going to have 2020, but then they're going to be able to move on. So my thing is, I think they should start that QB search this season, this offseason. Maybe if they're in a position to trade up for a draft pick, they should do that. But I look at Kirk and I just I don't see enough in the big time situations. When whenever they I feel like whenever they need him the most is when he doesn't show up, and whenever they don't need him, he shows that hey I'm here I could I could bring you I could hey it's sixteen nothing I'll make it sixteen six right now in the fourth quarter like. That's not what we need, Kirk. We need you to show up earlier in the game. And that, to be fair, this is a brutal Bears defense that, that he played this past Sunday. So it's not like he played against a slouch team. And, you know, but we just never see it from him in big situations. So it, this is the season for him. I don't know who's going to pay him after this contract's up. It, I don't think he's going to get the money close to what he got this time. So he has a good team around him. He just has to be. He has to be who he is, and you know I feel like these games just get to him. 
these big situations, they just he also, lets it eat them, eat them up. And I don't want to get in his mind. I don't know if that's what actually happens, but I mean, it's just we never see it from him. So it's like I, you just have to wonder, are these big-time situations eating you up? Or just when can you show us that you are a clutch quarterback? And we saw it one time in that Tampa Bay game back in 2015. We haven't seen it since. So eventually we need you to show what kind of quarterback you are. Also, um, for people who um, bring up the offensive line, there's also a stat. A lot of people um, bring up, when talking about Kirk, they bring up QB pressures and, um, and things like that, which have actually dwindled since, since last year. So he actually doesn't, doesn't have that much of an argument in that regard, too, anymore. But also, Kirk Cousins' time to throw stats are actually middle of the pack. Like, when it comes to getting, like, pressured, like, how much time you have until you're pressured, he's actually, like, in the middle of the league in that regard. So, he it, it, it's pretty average. He has a pretty average time to throw amongst NFL quarterbacks. Obviously, a better offensive line would help him even more. But I think that's also another stat you got to bring up. I believe he has, like, 3.06 seconds. If I remember that off the top of my head, I will be very impressed. But... Um, yeah, he, he has a decent amount of time to throw. A lot of QBs have less time to throw than him, so he doesn't really have an excuse. And a lot of winning QBs, I believe. Wentz was, like, top two. Your boy Sam Darnold, I think, was number one. He has the least amount of time to throw in the league. So, yeah. J-E-T-S. Well, now let's get into our final segment, which is we're just going to talk. Like we started off, who were your top five teams in college? Now we have our top five teams in the NFL through the first month. Now, if I could just start off real quickly, I'm going to say my number one team has been the Patriots. Their defense has been the best defense in the league. And their offense has not been far off as one of the best offenses in the league. So I, I can't look through the first month of the season and say anyone else other than the, cha- other than the, the champs because they have just been outstanding through this first month. Number two, I'm going to have the Chiefs there. Patrick Mahomes is unbelievable. This guy continues to show week in and week out, even when he doesn't have the, st- the stats game that he did, like against the Lions, he didn't have the flashy stats. He has the clutch comeback drive. So he shows you that he, he's a complete package. He can put up the big numbers. He can save the team late in the game. He can do it all. So I got to keep Mahomes at two. And Mahomes and the Chiefs at two. Number three, I'm going to have the Saints because, you know, they've had some pretty impressive wins when you look at it. They, they beat the Seahawks on the road. They beat the Cowboys at home. Obviously, they lose the Rams on the road. But, hey, this Saints team has impressed and Their defense has shown up in big-time situations. They, they can get turnovers. They can hold you down. Ezekiel Elliott only ran for 35 yards this past week. So... The Saints defense is doing a tremendous job. And to go into the fourth team, how about the 49ers? The only undefeated team left in the NFC. I think their defense has been spectacular. They survived a game where they had five turnovers on offense and still won the game. That says a lot about that defense and how it can hold up in big-time situations. Jimmy G has played well. I think you do expect a little more out of the offense, but Kyle Shanahan has been very creative with how he uses the running backs. And I think this 49ers team, we haven't seen the best of them yet, in my opinion. And number five, I'm going to have the Cowboys. The Cowboys, I thought, were 
probably better than the Saints and 49ers, but after losing to the Saints, I can't really have them that high. But this Cowboys team is very impressive. Everyone's going to talk about, well, you know, they beat a B- Giants, Dolphins, and Redskins. Those are their wins. But I think they have a great combination of quarterback who is on the rise, an elite running back who actually hasn't played up to his, you know, standard maybe you would think this year. But he is still a fantastic running back. And he's going to get on track sooner than later. And that defense is for real. So you got Jalen Smith, Leighton Van Der Esch. They're going to lead the pack. And that's a very good unit. And I think the Cowboys are going to be at the top of the NFC come uh, the regular season, at least. Come the end of the regular season. I could definitely see them being a number one or number two seed. So those are my top five teams through the first month. Let's hear yours, Nick. Okay, so at number one, at the Pats, um, I mean, that's that's pretty self-explanatory. At the Pats, um, great defense. Tom Brady, even though me and James had disagreements about him, he's still really good. And that entire offense is still great enough to, to compete with most of the teams in the league by itself. Um, number two, the Chiefs. Another self-explanatory, like, response. Like, you know, you have Patrick Mahomes. Um, you have just dynamic, a, a dynamic offense um, headed by Andy Reid. That feels like it can persist through through anything. Like, injuries throw at them or anything that that any other outstanding circumstance can, can throw at them. So, by that alone, and the defense looks improved compared to um, previous years. So that's that's good for them. And number three, I would have the Saints. The Saints, um, even with Teddy, just the amount of talent on this team is incredible. Um, you you can see how good this defense is when they're pushed to the limit. Um, you can see how dynamic this offense is, even without Drew Brees, even though they're struggling, they're still moving the ball and like they're they're helping Teddy out a lot, and I think that's gonna continue to work for them moving forward. And number four, I still have the Rams. Now, there's a lot of questions about. Wow. There's a lot of questions about, um, you know, Jared Goff. There's a lot of questions about Todd Gurley, too. But when I look at the amount of talent on this team, I just can't ignore it. I cannot ignore that defensive side of the ball that has an extreme amount of talent, honestly. And I think they're in a similar situation to the Saints, even when they're, um, Obviously, the last game doesn't doesn't help prove this case. But even when they're pushed to the limit by their offense not performing as well, we've seen this defense rise to the occasion when they need to, and and come out and sh- come out and show out and help this lead the lead this team to a victory. Um, and the if I could interrupt you for one second, so I wanted to get into this before, but we kind of went from the Bucks into the Teddy Bridgewater discussion. So Todd Gurley had five carries for 16 yards in this Bucks game. So a lot of that is probably due to they went down 21 nothing very early. And I know we I feel like this question gets asked on an almost weekly basis. But like, what do you think is wrong with Todd Gurley? Do you think like it actually is an injury issue? Or do you think they're just trying to put the pressure on golf and make this more of a passing a vertical offense. Um, I think it definitely has to do with Todd Gurley. I can't, I can't see why it wouldn't have to do with Todd Gurley. I think that degenerative knee issue he has is absolutely real. And there was some hope 
amongst like us and like other fans of the NFL that okay maybe this injury isn't something that's going to impact him right away and he's going to be fine starting out the season but it's looked like it's actually taking taken a noticeable toll on his game and that's something that needs to be recognized I think Sean McVay is seeing that already and I think he's he's trying to make adjustments for the future So, can I go to number five now? Yeah, yeah, go to number five. I just want to uh, touch on that real quick because, I mean, five carries for 16 yards from a guy who, at the running back position, might have been looked at as the MVP at one point last also, year. Also, also, you like, got... He, he was one of the contenders, at least. Also, when you're down really early, like the um, Rams are. Yeah, yeah, nah, that definitely plays into it as well, but it's just very interesting to see. Five carries for 16 yards, just pretty incredible. And so go on with your fifteen. And number five, I have the um, Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears wow. are, despite the amount of trash Mitch Trubisky gets, this defense is, I would say, in a league of its own. Maybe with the Pats defense, but like it is just so good. And honestly, if we we've discussed this so many times, if Mitch Trubisky could just cut down on the mistakes that he makes with the amount of talent he has and the athleticism they have. They would be real contenders, but he just makes so many boneheaded mistakes, and it it really, it really, it's really what makes them beatable. Like they, they would still be beatable, obviously, even. If, but like you get my point, they would be so much more dominant if mm-hmm. Mitch had the same talent he had and had the ability to, you know negate some of those mistakes that he makes um and you get some of that with chase daniel who is actually going to start this week um chase daniel might not have the same talent as mitch trubisky not the same athleticism but he definitely knows this offense and and knows like when what he can and can't do and what must when like he's going to make mistakes if he's going to make mistakes what are the wrong throws to make what are the wrong reads to make and, and etc so yeah, despite this this team's like really really questionable QB situation, I think that defense and the um the weapons actually not even the weapons the coaching by by Matt Nagy um just just utilizing these weapons um is what carries them to this top five spot. So there you have it, another football week. Now we just started October, so. Tonight will be the AL wildcard game, and hopefully tomorrow we'll get back into recording. We'll record a, maybe a postseason preview podcast for the MLB. Like I said, I've said this before on previous podcasts, October is the best time for sports fans. Baseball playoffs, NFL, college heating up in this season. At the end of the month, we're going to get some NBA back. So just a great time for sports fans. And... That's all we got for you today. So we hope you guys enjoyed this and we'll see you next time. Peace out as always.